Full 10 Yards Podcast. Yes, welcome in everyone. This is the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. I am your host, Timothy Lambert-Monk. Week 5, nearly almost in almost in the books. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Appreciate you on board with us in between your ears. Appreciated all the shout-outs over the weekend and on the social media. I really appreciate those. If you want to get in contact with us, you can get in contact with us on Twitter at Full 10 Yards. And of course, our brand new spanking uh, Instagram. It's uh, a few new things popping up on there as well. Uh, great show in front of us here today. Of course, we're going to be recapping the London game, which the Raiders take care of business and look at a few other things uh, of interest around the league including Christian McCaffrey and the Pittsburgh Steelers are they done we shall find out to help me do to do that we have my two good old buddies Sean and Lawrence who as we speak compiling a list of takeaways for you to digest in tomorrow's uh, full 10 takeaways article boys welcome in Lawrence um three words obviously you at the game at Tottenham yesterday uh sum up your sum up your NFL Tottenham experience in three words um that's one. <laughs> to- totally freaking awesome. Nice. There you go. Okay, we'll get to that obviously a bit later on. Sean, uh, your favourite game of the weekend? Obviously the Browns have not played yet. No, enjoyed the AFC North battle, which we'll discuss in a bit. Um, I think the best game from a viewer's perspective was probably um, Panthers-Jags. Um, so I know we're going to digest that one as well. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. We're going to focus on a couple of games uh, on today's podcast and then give you a skim through all the rest. We're going to call it first, second, third and fourth and ten as well. And of course, everyone, of course, we wouldn't we wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't have it. Jason Garrett Corner, uh, the man himself, makes an appearance on that today. So uh, keep your, eye, your eyes peeled for that. But uh, one, one bit of news to bring you. Uh, affects my, Lawrence, obviously, being a, a diehard Redskins fan. But Jay Gruden has been relieved of his duties in Washington or uh, how did he put it? The key, or the key no longer worked in the door. I suppose uh, is the best way to put it. Maybe something he can relate to. But obviously, Lawrence, first head coaching role, joined in 2014. Uh, Washington Redskins obviously was a head, uh, offensive coordinator after that. Just the two winning seasons, zero playoff wins. Uh, was Gruden the problem, or is it Bruce Allen and Dan Snyder? Obviously, he vacates the position with 35, 49, and one record. I think it, <clears throat> I think it's partly the GM. I mean. You shouldn't, we shouldn't be saying this, but it, it has partly been to, down to injuries. Um, we've we've suffered probably um, one of the worst one of the worst teams in the league for injuries. I mean, we look back at last season, we were we were doing pretty well. We were six and three. Alex Smith at the helm, everything was looking like we we could potentially get to get to the playoffs, and then his um, gruesome leg break, and and then the rest of it. Just gone completely downhill. So I mean, I've I've never liked Jay Gruden as the head coach. I never really accepted it. I always thought that he looked vacant in press conferences. He didn't have the passion. Um, and I'm, I, for one, am absolutely delighted that he's gone. <laughs> um, no, no surprise with the replacement. Um, Bruce Allen, the the general manager, um, worked with um, Bill Callahan back in the early 2000s when he was the head coach at the the Raiders um this is a this is a coach who without with the exception of the New York Giants he's been the offensive line coach for all three other NFC East teams um can you remember him Tim as a as a Cowboys offensive line coach uh not really no 
Mean. So that's 2012 to 2014. Mm. Um, I mean, he's, he's taken a team to the Super Bowl, took the Raiders to the Super Bowl in 2001, um, where he faced the guy that that moved on, John John Gruden, um, <laughs> but got absolutely thwacked in the Super Bowl. Um, then he went 4-12 and 12 in his second season and then was sacked. Um, then went into college um, for Nebraska, um, 15 and 17 um, as an NFL head coach, two and one in the playoffs. Um, he's he's. I watched his press conference at eight o'clock um, tonight, and he's talking very, very much about establishing the run. He is high on establishing a running game. Um, so Adrian Peterson hopefully gets a, a bit of a bit of a boost. But we've we're we're in a lot of trouble. We're in a lot of trouble. Mm. But it's a it's a kind of safe move. I mean, you've got um, Kevin Connell, the offensive coordinator, who was kind of in the in the running. Even Byron Leftwich was being mentioned as a as a potential replacement. He's a um, Washington native, but I think with with Bill Callahan, I think he he will change things. He does he does sound just like he, he knows what he's doing, and I, and I'm looking forward to seeing if we can get. Um, See if we can get the running game going. Mm, yeah, one of the easier assignments to get that running game going next week in the Tour Bowl next week against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but more on that a bit later on in the week in the second podcast where we preview week six. Week six, ladies and gents, where does it all come from? Where does it all go? Uh, it's what, middle of October nearly already. Bloody hell. All right, uh, let's go then, boys. Let's go first and ten. Carolina win. Ron Rivera becomes the most winningest coach, passing John Fox. 74 fixtures, three straight wins now for the Carolina Panthers uh, for Kyle Allen after Cam Newton led them to 0-2. Oh, <laughs> Um, I suppose in this one, two words for me, Christian McCaffrey, 237 scrimmage yards in this one. Uh, almost had as many rush yards as Kyle, Kyle Allen did passing yards. Obviously was helped by 84-yard scamper. Uh, Christian McCaffrey currently on 805 scrimmage yards in this one, on pace for 2,771. Why do I bring that up, ladies and gentlemen? Well, I'll tell you. The current record is Chris Johnson's 2,509 just a few years ago now, so um, well on pace for that one. Uh, on the opposite side of the field, he's opposite. Uh, I was going to say his opposite number. That doesn't really appeal. It doesn't really uh, make any sense for American football. But uh, Leonard Fournette also hitting 100 yards in this one. Actually, quietly having having himself a fine season, um, staying healthy, running the ball a lot, running hard, and getting a few uh, few decent runs there as well. Obviously, some big ones there as well. And I didn't didn't have the uh, greatest of times against Tennessee, but yeah, still, you know, just need the one run to go for 84 yards, and you've had a good day, haven't you? Really, to be honest, and. Uh, Obviously, man at the moment over in Jacksonville, Gardner Minshew, still performing admirably despite playing you know, Carolina, one of the top-rated defense, pass defenses. Uh, and that connection with DJ Chark is uh, quite something else as well. Another touchdown to him. Um, managed to get Didi Westbrook a bit involved in as well in this one. Uh, I, I know Adam's favorite, O'Shaughnessy, got involved in this one as well with a, a couple of catches as well. So I'm sure Adam enjoyed that. Uh, unfortunately, did commit, commit a few turnovers, a few fumbles. Um, probably, probably the pivotal one being the Brian Burns uh, scoop and score on the defensive touchdown. Uh, but Minshew, he's a battler, he's a grinder. He's, he certainly doesn't look out of his depth in the, in the NFL, does he? 110 um, completions, 165 pass t- attempts so far this season. 1,279 yards, over 100 yards rushing too, which is always useful at this day and age, the modern era in the NFL. Nine touchdowns, one interception, and all games over 97 on the quarterback rating as well. So uh, Gardner Minshew acquitting himself very well so far in the NFL. Uh, couldn't quite force it in the end zone towards the end there, even if he did get an extra untimed. Time down, but folks, I suppose the one that say started off with this one 
Christian McCaffrey, uh, I think it, I think it's fair to say, um, is, is he, a, Sean, is he a genuine MVP candidate? For me, he absolutely should be. I wrote in the Look Ahead article for this week, um, you know, the Panthers don't want to find out what life is like without him. They've dealt very well without Cam a quarterback, as you've alluded to. Cam led them to a, an 0-2 start. <laughs> um, but it, it's all about what McCaffrey is doing, yeah. not just out of the backfield with the, the run game, but also receiving. Um, phenomenal and frightening, Pike. You, you pinched the stat right off my notepad in terms of the <laughs> 2,771. Um, but he's also another step for you here, one of only two players in NFL history to have at least 500 rushing yards and 250 receiving yards through the first five games of a season. Um, so it just does go to show that this guy is breaking records left, right and centre, mm. um, and he's absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Um, ironically, he actually took a couple of plays off yesterday. Yeah. Hopefully he's not too badly dinged, but uh, even his backup actually managed to get a couple of carries and, and actually ran in a fairly long one of about 50-odd yards. But uh, McCaffrey, for me, is a do-it-all kind of guy. If you think back to when he was first drafted, the arguments or the, the concerns, if you like, were could he stay on the field for all three downs? I mean, you know, we're now talking about a guy who doesn't come off for a play, let alone on third, you know, on third down. He's, he's absolutely phenomenal. So I, I'm a huge fan of running backs. I think there is, you know, it's really, in my opinion, a, a real shame that these you know top guys, in general terms, don't get the contracts that they deserve. Um, and I know obviously the reasons behind that, all the arguments behind that. But we're talking about an elite talent here, and you know I think Gerald McCoy said that if the season ended today, he'd be the MVP. And yeah. I think it's it's a very close toss-up between him and Russell Wilson as things stand for me at the moment. So he's certainly right up there. Yeah, yeah, I did see those uh, comments from from Jeremy McCoy. Lawrence, is is it more um, special that the, the performance he's putting in Christian McCaffrey because there is no Cam Newton and the, the, you know, the opposing defenses know that it's going to be a heavy dosage of Christian McCaffrey uh, and they still can't stop him. Yeah, I mean <clears throat> Kyle Allen has has performed admirably, really, in his starts. He's one of only four current starting quarterbacks who hasn't thrown a pick so far along with um, Marcus Mariota, seven touchdowns, Russell Wilson, 12, and, and Mahomes, 11. So it's, it's, um, I think it's credit to, um, to Allen for helping to control the ball. I think that the, the, the unit that I'd like to give a shout-out to this week is the Panthers' offensive line, which is kind of rather unheralded. Darrell Williams, uh, Matt Paradis at the centre, um, Taylor Moton, right tackle there. You know, it's not a it's not a big named unit, but obviously, you don't get this amount of yards without a without a disciplined offensive line in front of you um, that that's playing out of its skin. So, um, big big credit to the offensive line um, and Greg Olson at tight ends. You know, he's we know he's brittle and we know that he's he's not always gonna gonna last sixteen games, but he's um, he's been playing at a, at a sort of Pro Bowl level. Um, in the first five weeks as well, um, and then one other person which you, which you mentioned briefly is the rookie Brian Burns, who I think is is currently in in kind of in the lead for defensive rookie of the year, um, and I think a lot of credit's got to go to him for um, for his play early on in the season. I mean, normally with rookies they'll hit a wall um, when it gets to kind of you know past week thirteen, fourteen, but at the moment he's on fire. Mm. 
Yeah, absolutely. And uh, just before we move on to uh, your game that you you mentioned that you saw over the weekend, Lawrence. Um, I didn't obviously send this one to you, but I'm going to put you both on the spot. One word answers, please. Um, week one, 2020. Who's the who's the starting QB for Jacksonville, Lawrence? Minshew. Sean. Minshew. Mm, interesting. Yeah, it's very, it's very it's a very interesting one, isn't it? I don't think it's a sure thing that uh, Foles is going to come back and be in the, be the guy next year. Um, yeah, not some. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. Let's move on to second and ten. Talking of hot takes, the Bears are rubbish, or is it? Is it a hot take, Lawrence? Obviously, you uh, you witnessed the first ever game at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. I'm actually quite surprised Scott Hansen and Red Zone didn't. Uh, uh, didn't salivate a bit more over this one, but uh, there you go. Uh, Lawrence, before you get into the game, just want to give us a, a note on the day, the experience, the stadium, and any other interesting things that you obviously you had fabulous seats. Some of the great, great, some great pictures you got there. Yeah, it was it was a it was a blast. I mean, I was in section two four eight, but I managed to instead sneak um, behind the behind one of the end zones and, and kind of stayed there for the rest of the game. Um, one of my little highlights was getting a high five from Harry Kane as he walked past. Um, and I also got a, a wry smile out of two-time um, Oakland Raider Super Bowl winning quarterback Jim Plunkett, who, as he walked past, I, I bent my head down with my Redskins hat on and, um, and said, I still haven't forgiven you, to which he turned around and gave me a wry smile. So very I was nice. quite happy with that. Yeah, very um, nice. It was, I mean, it was incredible kind of getting down and, and seeing the likes of the the Raiders offensive lineman, Richie Incognito and Trent Brown. I mean, Trent Brown is, is possibly the largest human being I've ever seen. Um, no wonder um, Khalil Mack didn't get any sacks. Um, Trent Brown is just is, is an enormous human being. Um, in terms of the actual stadium, it is, it's absolutely been built with NFL games in mind. The, <clears throat> the scoreboards in, in, in those kind of a ribbon of three tiers all the way around with, with digital digital scoreboards. And then you've got four big screens, one in each corner. So you, you're never going to miss a replay. Um, and then when they went to the halftime show with that British rapper that I still can't remember his name, it wasn't the fact that his performance was brilliant. It was the, it was the staging and the pyrotechnics, the fireworks, the, the lights, the, the sound. It was just, it was, it's the best kind of, stadium entertainment setup that i've ever been in mm. um and then in terms of in terms of kind of the rest of the game outside it's it's i don't know if anyone who hasn't been to the new ground it's a very funny one because it's just kind of on the high road yeah you kind of cut you kind of come out of nowhere you've got all these little tiny independent shops you cross the road and then bang there's the stadium yeah um so it was, you know, there was lots of people out there helping people to get around, and there was a really good atmosphere. People throwing balls around on, on, in the middle of the road, kind of before the game, and then kind of went round. There was a big, big NFL store, obviously at the front, and and, and there was huge queues to get in for the store. So um, I can I can imagine it's a lot of people's first NFL experience. I, I kind of avoided that and wanted to get in early so I could see. Um, try and see some players and, and kind of have a mingle really and kind of see what the atmosphere was like. And it's, it's the, the, the views are, are brilliant everywhere. Um, you can't go wrong. Managed to get one autograph of a player, Eric Harris, the Raiders safety. He had a pick six in, in week four. 
Um, that was good. Um, saw Roger Goodell kind of within, you know, within touching distance mm. of, of, um, of the commissioner, which was kind of you can't have entertaining. It all then. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, <clears throat> it was interesting because I don't think as many people knew it was him because there, there weren't, there wasn't a chorus of boos. As yeah, I was going to say, there's no tomatoes being chucked then. <laughs> no, 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 no. But yeah, I mean, it's, I'd absolutely recommend it, and, and if this is going to be the stadium that in in a few years is is going to host an, an NFL franchise, then you know they, we we we're off to an amazing start. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, we've, I don't suppose there's a threesome we've uh, we've kind of discussed about uh, London franchises. Sean, where do you stand in London franchise? Yay, yay or nay? Uh, it, it's probably a nay for me. To be honest, I, I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge fan of the the London experience. It's obviously great that you know Lawrence serves like he had a cracking weekend and all the stuff on social media and, and all the reports on the stadium are fantastic. Um, yeah, but for me, it's it's a strange atmosphere when you've got so many neutrals in the stadium. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's probably why I'm not so keen on it personally. And I think you know the fans of the NFL. You know, if, if we had a new franchise, would I stop supporting the Browns to support a new team? Probably not. No. Um, and I think they would really probably struggle to to sort of really secure a, a dedicated fan base and following. I could be wrong on that. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I don't think the NFL will go that way. I think they're more likely to bring you know more games abroad, which has essentially been touted in terms of extending the season to 17 games with one team playing an international fixture each season, you know, which could be an interesting development. But I, I'm not a huge fan of a London franchise in general, mm. if I'm honest. Mm. I'll, tell, I'll tell you the reason why I why I wouldn't support a London franchise or why I don't, why I don't think it will work over here is when I go down to the Houston-Jacksonville game, uh, in a couple of weeks, what I'm thinking of doing for, for just purely for social media, uh, from a social media standpoint, is me, Lee, and Adam. We're all going to play Jersey Bingo. We're going to have a bit of paper and see who, how many, uh, how quickly we can get all 32 jerseys ticked off of our board. Uh, and that 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 in essence is encapsulates what the London game is all about. So I'm not quite sure whether or not they can they can transition that into being a one t- you know one team kind of you know obviously we have a kind of a soft spot for Jacksonville Jaguars because there are Jacksonville Jaguars air, air quotes and all that. But yeah, the fact that you can play Jersey Bingo a Wembley game or a London game or whatever, or you could you know you could have done it at the weekend, just gone, um, just kind of gives me a bit bit of scepticism about whether or not they can have a successful franchise in terms of support and, and, and money and all the rest of it, but we shall we shall see. Uh, Lawrence, quick one from you on the London franchise and then uh, talk about the product on the pitch. Yeah, just to say that, I mean, I'm, a, I'm a, a very old, creaky individual who was around for the London Monarchs back in the early 90s, and I don't think there's been an atmosphere that beat having a London team. I mean, it was special for anyone who was there for that, First season, that 1991 season, and then the World Bowl, um, hosting hosting the kind of championship game. It it does make a tremendous difference when you actually have a team there. Because I've been to a load of preseason games beforehand at Wembley, and the atmosphere was weird. I've been to a, you know been to a lot of the the English games as well, but that atmosphere of actually having a team, owning a team, I think it does make a huge difference. And I think it, I, I personally. I would I, I would have split loyalty 
between being a Redskins fan and mm. and a, a, a London fan. So mm. maybe it's maybe it's one and two in terms of mm. for and against. Yeah, interesting. Okay, and then talking about the, obviously the game on Sunday, Oakland Chicago. Um, obviously Chicago coming over on the Thursday, not training to the Friday, and Oakland did that last year. And obviously they saw what kind of happened there. Are you, are you surprised that Chicago came over as late as they did, and was that kind of a leveler for for Oakland? I think it was more the fact it was it was only Chase Daniel's second game um, of the season, and he he got off to a very very slow start. Um, they they weren't moving the ball at all. Well, um, Oakland, Oakland should and, Oakland should have run away with this one. They should have. They should have, and it it, it could have got messy. But um, Derek Carr kind of he, he 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 wasn't looking brilliant in the first half either. Um, I mean, the game flow was was kind of, it really was a tale of the different quarters. Um, scoreless first quarter, Raiders go 17 zip up um, going into halftime. Um, and then the Bears just absolutely explode, two Allen Robinson touchdowns, um, and it's, it's 21-17. And then we get to the fourth quarter, again, things are getting tight. And then Josh Jacobs' kind of Superman impression at the end um kind of sealed sealed the win and i think it was i think it was a genuinely good game my, my biggest fear when, with the score going 24-21 with when, in the 2 minute warning was that somehow the bears would um would drive back um kick a field goal and and we'd be we'd be going into overtime and i'd be i'd be getting home about three o'clock in the morning back to brum so thank goodness for um for that interception by um gary and Connolly late in the game um, I, I want to shake his hand. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and let's not forget as well, Oakland's uh, fumble at the one yard line as well. Um, with Trevor Davis, I think it was, wasn't it? Who ball punched out, and yeah, so Chicago very sloppy to to start. Um, yeah, interesting, interesting there. But uh, a Chicago, a Chicago, Sean, any, actually any good? I I had concerns about Chicago at the start of the season. I, I wrote that in one of the first articles I did for the website. I think their formula last year was win close games and force lots of turnovers and those are very difficult things to carry over season to season and that's proven to be the case. Mm. Um, you know, they, you know, as you guys have alluded to, they're obviously very slow on offence. Um, they're obviously very, very heavily reliant on the defence, giving them great field position and giving them extra opportunities to, to sort of make up for the deficiencies that we're seeing. Um, you know, and let's be honest, you know, yes, Chase Daniel didn't have a great game, but we've been talking for the last few weeks about how inefficient Mitch Trubisky has been as well. So this isn't just all on the quarterback. I think this is in general terms, just a very lopsided roster that's got a much stronger defence than it has an offence. Mm. Um, Trent Brown um, and the rest of that Raiders protection unit did a great job with Mac. Every time I was watching bits of that game, it seemed like Mac was being chipped by either the running back or a tight end was having a nibble at him. Um, you know, and ultimately, you know, they were as aware as anybody was ever going to be about his strengths and the danger that he possessed. And they kind of nullified him. And, and as you said, the Raiders should have really run away with this game. The final score was actually a little bit uh, of an anti... Of a, Misleading. The word is I'm looking for. It, mm. it, it, it flattered the, the Bears, let's put it that way, that it mm. was that close. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, so for me, I, I think Chicago will do very, very well to make the playoffs. And mm. I've said all season long, I know there are a lot of people's fancy and a few people's dark horses to, to go all the way. I actually see them struggling to make the postseason, to be honest. 
Yeah, and as I say, I've got the schedule in front of me here, obviously by week next week. Then they, they've got the Saints, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Lions, and then the Rams. So, um, yeah, not the easiest of five games to come out off the bye uh, as well, especially with your, your quarterback, your, your your main quarterback, dinged up. So it would be interesting to see. And it's a difficult division as well. There's no divi- there's no uh, no divisional games in there apart from the Lions, obviously, which is difficult. And they've still got, obviously, the Vikings and the, and the Packers there uh, going great guns as well. But that was second down. So let's move on to third down then, Sean. You had uh, Pittsburgh, Baltimore on the docket uh, Justin Tucker winning this one with his 12th game winning field goal of his career yeah Justin Tucker's incredible um, he seems to be able to get a, a ball to bend in whatever direction it needs to I was absolutely convinced that that game winner was going left and it somehow came right but that came after a, a bit of a, a ding dong battle these games tend to be close um, and it proved to be the case yet again on Sunday Um very, very poor game again, I've got to say, for Lamar Jackson. I know that Lawrence has still got his crush on him, but I'm sorry, I'm just not seeing it week to week. He was, mm. again, Awful, indecisive. He yeah. ran into a number of sacks. Um, if you take the sack yardage away, he was less than 150 yards passing again this week um, and really just looked, again, in my opinion, indecisive against a competent defence. Um, and that's all that I think that, that it was again. And I think the Steelers have been particularly brilliant this year. Um, and the Ravens really won this game by dominating the time of possession and, and establishing the run. wasn't particularly explosive, um, but continued commitment to that ground game. I think Harbaugh's realised himself that he needs to win it on the ground and not in Lamar Jackson's hands. Unfortunately for for Lamar Jackson fans, I think the you know it's already very quickly becoming quite evident of the best way for the Ravens to gain their success. Mm. Um, big talking point in this game, obviously, was the. Um, the really frightening moment where Mason Rudolph was was completely knocked out um, and didn't move for what felt like you know a good few minutes. Mm. Uh, thankfully, he came around and was able to to walk off the field. Whether that was you know based on what the NFL have said today that he didn't need the cards or the fact that the cards seemed to have to be pushed off the field yeah. is a different debate. Obviously, the most important thing is thankfully. He, he appears as though he's going to be okay. I'd obviously expect that he'll miss some time because it was obviously a very serious moment for him. Um, but Delvin Hodges came in and, you know, it's a guy that I've never heard of. I'll confess to that. He, sound, he sounds like he, um, yeah. the, stri- the striker for having a Waterlooville, doesn't he, or something? Well, let's put it this way. He, he, he played decently. I'm, you know, let's take nothing away from yeah. him. I've never heard of the guy, but he got that offence moving. He probably put together their best drive of the game. Um, but I think ultimately th- this game was summarised by the coin tossing over to him. Um, you know, Mike Tomlin effectively won the toss and deferred. Now, normally it's a no-brainer. You win the toss and you take the ball and you try and obviously get the score to win the game. I, I can half understand why he did what he did because he has absolutely zero faith in this Pittsburgh offence. He got nothing going all game. The ground game has disappeared. James Connor seems like a different guy to the guy that burst on the scene last year. And he has got more faith in the defensive side of the ball. Mm. Um, you know, Don't be confused. Jackson threw two picks in his own territory to lead to short fields and the Steelers couldn't cash in on those. Um, you know, so I think there's real concerns in Pittsburgh. I think the season's a goner. You know, to answer your question from the start of the pod, I don't see how you come back from being on your third string quarterback. They're in a division now where they're obviously behind the Ravens and lost one of the games there. Uh, the Browns obviously still to play this week, so potentially they could fall a couple of games behind the Browns as well. Mm. Um, I do think it's a lost season, and um, it, it's a strange situation to find after five games the Pittsburgh Steelers in that position. 
Um, you know, the Ravens for me are still very unconvincing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to come across as biased. I'm trying to call it as I see. It. I am just genuinely not convinced. So that that's my view on it, guys. Another shoddy outing from from Jackson. The Ravens ultimately got it done. But uh, as a Browns fan, I wouldn't be overly concerned at the moment with what I saw from either of these two sides. Yeah, sure. Lawrence, thoughts? Still a win, though. Still a win for the Ravens. So let's let's you know, in all that pessimism, let's notice that it's it's still a win. Um, Delvin Hodges. Um, a few little interesting points on him. He was the 2018 Walter Payton Award winner for the um, best kind of subdivision um, college quarterback. And he's actually the, the subdivision career passing yards leader of all time, um, 14,584 college yards. Um, and he beat the, the record that was formerly held by Steve McNair. So just just a little sub note there that the guy the guy knows how to throw mm. throw touchdowns. He's he threw a hundred and eleven touchdowns in college. Mm. So um, yeah, undrafted free agent um, looks like he's going to get his first start um, coming up. Mm. Um, just just obviously because my my man crush has still not faded on Lamar Jackson. Just one tiny little stat there. He's averaging sixty one point six yards on the ground, which projects at the moment for 985 um, rushing yards in total. It's 15th in the NFL in rushing. Um, I think he can he can still exceed 1,000. Mm. So that's what I said at the start of the season. I think he's still on track for that. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I did, uh, just circling back to the decision by Mike Tomlin to defer in overtime, uh, a few stats. He was a candidate for Jason Garrett Corner, which is on a bit later in the pod. But some stats here about deferring in overtime. Only 16 times has it happened where... Um, the team winning the toss has deferred. It's an eight and eight record, and three of of those sixteen times, only three times have the team that they've deferred uh, never received the ball. So yeah, some interesting stats there. But you like to say the reason I didn't put it in Jason Garrett corner was purely because of the fact that you said there, Sean. Uh, total confidence, well, more more confidence in his defense, and they got the free and out, didn't they? It was just uh, Juju uh, with the fumble there being being punched out um, that kind of made them come a cropper. And they say Justin Tucker um, tucking in his twelfth uh, winning game field goal. Um, so yeah, they, they, they were kind of the three meaty games uh, of the weekend. So let's uh, fourth down. Let's go through the rest of the games. So first night football obviously kicked off with a with an absolute thriller. Greg Zerline missed field goal. Um, what a game that was. Tyler Lockett, TD, one of the highlights of the week. Seattle's squeezing that one out there, 30-29. to Russell Wilson um, conjuring some more magic up. AFC uh, versus NFC in this one. Arizona getting it done uh, with a field goals galore in this one against Cincinnati. Away win, first win for Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Shootout. I suppose you could call it in Houston between them and Atlanta. I'll tell you what, Atlanta are in very deep trouble indeed. Arthur Blank coming out uh, saying that he's not looking for a change at this time and uh, backing the current coaching staff to kind of turn it around. Will Fuller having himself a day from a fantasy perspective. NFC South, uh, this scoreline probably a bit closer than the game. Uh, scoreline closer than the game suggests. Tampa Bay walloped in this one. New Orleans, uh, goose egg by Mike Evans. He got my shot, my um, Lattimore, as we like to call it. Michael Thomas was awesome, uh, but some sus- suspect tackling there from the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, over in New York, Minnesota get the uh, comfortable comfortable win. Uh, Dalvin Cook ran right again, but ladies and gentlemen, so did Kirk Cousins. Multiple t- passing touchdowns, uh, multiple passing uh, even attempts there 
in that one. So, um, yeah, is I don't know whether that means that's going to be a change going forward. We shall see. But the Giants are that bad, ladies and gentlemen. So, 18-point uh, victory there for the Vikings. Uh, Philadelphia, 31-6 to here against the Jets. Nothing to see. Two defensive touchdowns for Philadelphia. And that was all she wrote. Uh, Low-scoring one defensive battle in AFC. Buffalo taking the spoils there in Tennessee. Not great weather in this one. Uh, Buffalo snuck the win. Could be a crucial game, that one, in terms of tiebreakers for the wild card. Uh, and then New England uh, don't need wild card playoff. They, they just win you know, number one seeds and number two seeds home field advantages. Uh, Washington did, did, did take the lead early, but that was all she wrote on that one. Um, Mike Nugent was a bit shaky with the boot there as well, so that'd be an interesting storyline uh, to maybe watch as time goes by. Uh, first of the two late games was Denver and the Chargers. The Denver running game um, stomping all over the Chargers. Chargers not really, uh, not really doing, not, not really turning up in in that one there. But that was an interesting game. Uh, certainly, Anthony Lynn coming out and saying that he uh, apologises for people watching that game. Uh, hopefully, uh, Jason Garrett and the boys will apologise for me uh, to me for watching the uh, Dallas game. Uh, the Dallas O-line, like I said earlier, off uh, crumbling like a d- digestive biscuit in a cup of tea. Uh, again, the scoreline, even though it was 10 points uh, difference, uh, really, really uh, didn't do Green Bay the justice there on defense and on offense as well. Once Aaron Rodgers, get, if he if he gets going at any point this season, they're going to be a scary team. Uh, but yeah, no Tyron Smith usually means uh, no wins for the Cowboys. Sunday Night Football, surprise of the week. Uh, only the second time Patrick Mahomes' team has scored under 20 points. Uh, but this was due to the, the brilliance of the offensive line in Indianapolis uh, and Marlon Mack as well. I think he had 29 carries uh, away in Arrowhead is uh, not something that many people would have bet on, it, if anyone at all. But yeah, Indianapolis keeping Mahomes and Kansas City off the field and coming away with a big victory. They obviously got absolutely wallops last year in the playoffs. So a bit of retribution. L- uh, Lawrence, uh, you've promised me pun of the week this week. And as a guy that loves puns, uh, I've been waiting all day to hear it. So what's, uh, what game do you want to talk about and what's the pun? Well, it's the it's the Chiefs Colts game, and I, I I I seriously question how many chip blocks there were in the game, considering you had um, the Sean McCoys, Way. Byron Pringles, nice, and then the Colts defender Anthony Walker. Uh, there you go, crisps galore. I love so, a packet of crisps. A, a pr- pretty crispy <laughs> contest there, yeah. Crispy contest, indeed, love it. Um, was that what? Uh, what game do you? Any 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 of those games that you quite enjoyed over the weekend? Or yeah, I mean, I think the the Colts getting the upset win was was um, was pretty special. I mean, they 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 didn't ask Jacoby Brissett to do any more than just try and move the ball. Um, Naeem Hines, the running back, kind of led the team in, in targets um, and and yardage with just 46 on four four catches. Um, I think where where the Chiefs went wrong, it wasn't Mahomes. He, he didn't have a particularly poor performance. Um, over 300 yards, no picks. Um, he was sacked four times, but it was the, the Chiefs running game that completely let them down. Yeah. Um, 36 yards on, on 14 carries, just just nothing there at all. Um Damian Williams um, kind of non-existent, um, so I think that that was the that was the struggle. They they didn't they couldn't keep the ball long enough. They couldn't have those drives. And then Marlon Mack, um, he, he was a he was a proper Mack truck, wasn't he? Mm. This game and um, you know four point six a carry, um, one hundred and thirty two yards. You know that's that's what's going to win you these these huge games. Mm. 
Yeah, no, I need to go back and watch that one. I've not had a chance yet. I'm still recovering from sleep from last night. Uh, but Sean, you are, you've got the rest of the games at your mercy. You're at the NFL game buffet. What game are you going for? Uh, be a bit of a surprising one, really, but I think just a, sh- a shout out here. I again in, in one of the the lookout columns, I called out that uh, Arizona hadn't really done an awful lot, and I think you know just a a bit of a shout out for a team and a head coach getting the first win of the season. Um, you know, I think Carter Murray to me has actually been quite impressive. You know, when you consider all of the things that go against him from a physical standpoint, which are obviously there for everyone to see. I think he's moved the ball pretty effect- pretty efficiently in most of the games that he's played. Uh, he's got a, you know, he's very elusive, as you would imagine, and he takes off at the right times. And I think, you know, just I don't want to keep harping back to Lamar Jackson, but for me, you know, Murray tries to pass first and he runs second. Um, and there was a great example of that in, in terms of actually setting up what turned out to be the game-winning field goal. Uh, all the momentum was with our, um, with the Bengals. They had come back from a, a 23-9 to hole with a few minutes left and had tied up the scoreboard. And, and, you know, Murray took over and essentially he scrambled for around about a 25-30 yard gain um, to set up a game when you field goal. And another guy I'm really pleased for is Zane Gonzalez, who used to kick for the Browns. He did, yeah. Uh, essentially got run out of town for missing game winning field goals. So for him to get the opportunity to to go and sort of boot a game winner. Um, he's had a nice start to the season. He's missed a couple in recent weeks, but uh, chuff for him as well. Um, just another couple of quick shout-outs. Um, just for me, Kirk Cousins, um, I think it was a deliberate game plan to get him more involved and oh, yeah. perfect opponent to do that against. Yeah. Be interested to see how that progresses. Um, but I think that was a very much in the game plan for this week. Yeah. And the final thing for me, you called this last week, mate. I think it's a matter of time until the Atlanta Falcons look for a new head coach. Yeah. This is the guy that came across with a reputation for the defensive side of the ball. And, you know, to be fair to Matt Ryan and the guys on the offensive side, um, you know, if you put up 30 odd points a game, you know, you're going to win more than you lose. And this team were never close yesterday. No. Um, they kept it within one score, but you just always felt that Houston could do whatever they want and move the ball at will. And ultimately, that's what they did, um, you know, and, and 50 points on the scoreboard tells its own story. So, um, really enjoyable few games this weekend. Um, obviously, looking forward to uh, my team rounding it off this week with a win tonight. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'd say you couldn't help but get the uh, the Browns link, Zang Gonzalez, in there, could you? Um, yeah, there we go. Uh, yeah, so that's pretty much all of week five wrapped up. It's time for a turnover on Dan's, ladies and gentlemen. It's time to round off with Jason Garrett Corner. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. All you do, Jason Garrett, is clap your hands. Jerry plays you like a puppet. You really are a muppet. It's fourth and one, don't do it, just clap your hands. Clap those hands indeed. And the man himself, Jason Garrett, appears in this lovely little corner. Uh, not really too many clangers uh, this week in terms of coaching decisions or maybe even refereeing decisions. Uh, Although you do get a fair, fair amount of those each week. But you have to say, the highlight of the weekend for the Jason Garrett corner, <laughs> I don't know if you boys have seen this, but uh, Jason Garrett, uh, he's, he's usually known for his gormless, uh, empty brain looking, just standing there and clapping his hands. But my God, he showed a bit of emotion uh, against Green, Green Bay uh, yesterday evening. Um, 
not, I don't think I've ever seen this, but he got his challenge flag out on an Amari Cooper catch uh, and spiked the challenge flag to the point where it absolutely befuddled the the, the judge, the line judge. Uh, and then he threw his uh, penalty mark about 15 yards in the air uh, and obviously was called for a flag. But I thought it was just quite funny, the fact that uh, Jason Garrett not only starts to show emotion, but he spikes the challenge flag and uh, essentially costs the Cowboys some yardage, uh, which is never good when, you're, when your head coach gets involved in that. Sean, uh, Lawrence, I don't know if you saw him out on the way back on the coach, but Sean, that was uh, a, a sight to behold. Oh, I, I was in hysterics watching it, and, and and to be fair, it was funny enough that, like you say, Jason Garrett ends up costing his team yardage <laughs> on the challenge. But oh. if you haven't seen it, go and check it out on Twitter. The the attitude that the, the referee throws his flag up in in his response is just incredible. Nearly touched the um, telly. Oh, it was like a reverse spike. I think you know he, he was determined <laughs> to prove he could throw a flag higher and harder than Jackson Garrett could throw it hard and hard and low. So just a, a really really funny uh, sequence of events. That, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll tweet that one out. Sean, any 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 decisions to take your fancy this week? Uh, probably not an individual decision, but I suppose just to back up what we were saying earlier, um, when we when we had a quick whistle stop through some of the games, and and we talked about the charges not really doing a lot this week, and and sometimes you're just looking for a bit of a spark, and we we referenced this Twitter account a couple of weeks ago, mm. um, and it's really interesting that I, you know I follow it now, and it pops up every Sunday night when uh, teams decide to run on the punt unit. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know if this has probably ever happened in a game or not, but the Chargers actually managed to get two punts. One ranked as the 83rd percentile of cowardly punts since this has been tracked, and one then, even later in the game, that was more cowardly, ranked the 95th percentile of all worst punts. Nice. And I think when you've got an offence that's struggling to move the ball with any consistency, you're down on the scoreboard and time's ticking away. There's nothing more frustrating than a fan, and I know um, Lee over on the college uh, branch, he's obviously a Chargers fan, and I know he was frustrated with the game plan on Sunday. You just think, roll the dice, you know, give you guys a chance to go and make a play, and you know, if you've got Philip Rivers at quarterback, surely, you know, let, let's trust him. You surely earned that trust over his career, so not necessarily an individual decision, probably just a, a, a bit game of a poor game plan from a from a coach who's, let's face it, he's battling some injuries, but his team are probably really under-delivering this year on what many people would have thought to be mm. a successful season following how well they did last year. Absolutely, especially with the uh, return of Melvin Gordon. Yeah, 95, 95th uh, percentile, not quite the 99% of Jason Garrett last year against the Texans, which uh, kind of gave this the creation to this Jerryson Garrett corner but uh, nonetheless no doubt there'll be a 99th percentile at some point uh, later in the future Lawrence I don't suppose you uh, managed to catch any of the uh, the games obviously watching the Oakland one and then not, not a lot on the late slate No I mean I, I, I caught the I was, I was watching the I was watching seemingly the Broncos just kind of running the ball for for about three hours on the, on the coach on the way home mm. it um Philip Rivers looked looked out of sorts, um, and then obviously the the big comeback. I mean, the the, the, the what was the what were the Cowboys down at one point? What Seventeen 20... nothing. Oh, we we were down big. We were uh, pick any number. 20... We were down that. We were down that. <laughs> Twenty four or something, and then kind of I, I I lost the plot a little bit later, and then to come back and they they scored twenty four. That was a bit of a shock. Yeah. Um, just just finishing off on the um, on Jason Garrett corner. Um, is uh, I don't know if anyone's seen the quote from the Cowboys owner um, about the, the the referee who was a bit stunned by oh, um, so, yeah. by Jason Garrett's language. Yeah, go on. 
best Texas accent. I hope the little darling didn't hear something he hadn't heard before. <laughs> That's, so, not bad. Yeah. That's not bad. That's not bad. So I, I just thought that was funny that, that Jerry Jones um, at least has, has got a sense of humour, even um, even with the loss. Yeah. No, he loves he loves a little bit of a stab, a little dig in the dig in the ribs there. But um, yeah, there we go. Okay, that's going to wrap it up for the podcast, gents. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, yeah, it was it was good. That nice to. Nice to get through all those games and say focus on a couple. Hope you guys listening out there enjoyed it too. Don't forget you can contact us at Full Ten Yards and you can look forward to the Full Ten take uh, Full Ten takeaways tomorrow on the website Full Ten Yards We'll be back a bit later on in the week on Thursday to preview Week Six. So in the meantime, it's goodbye from Lawrence. Take care, everybody. Goodbye from Sean. Cheers, guys. And goodbye from me. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it's a bye bye for now. A bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter at Full 10 Yards or email the show, full10yards at gmail.com.